Uh, some of you know that currently I'm studying a theology degree and I'm absolutely loving getting deeper into God's word, delving more, falling in love with Jesus and finding out more about him. In particular, just recently, I've been in Luke's gospel. So it's out of that that I'm going to be speaking on today. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 11. It will come up on the screen. Um, if you're here and you haven't got a Bible, then please do go to the welcome desk and we would love to gift you a Bible. I picked up my wrong translation of a Bible this morning, so I went and borrowed one from the welcome desk. I'm just fessing up. They're, they're fab. They're large prints. So if you need one, go and get one. But that turn to Luke chapter 7, and it's the faith of the centurion. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, when a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far off from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Yes. So you might be thinking, out of the whole of Luke's gospel, why has Heather chosen this to share with us today? I've got to be honest. It's because I feel that God wants us to learn something from, our, from it. It's as simple as that. So we're going to be looking at the story a little bit closer and seeing what we can learn from it. So I'm going to be focusing on three main points. How the centurion uh, showed a different form of power how he recognizes Jesus's authority and acts in humility. And thirdly, how he has great faith. So this story is in Matthew's Gospel 2. It comes right after Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to set you guys homework. If you've ever heard me preach before, you know I love a bit of homework. Groans. Okay, you're doing it. Go read the Sermon on the Mount, even if you've read it before. So that's in Matthew chapters 5 to 7 and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 49. I'm using the version in Luke's Gospel for two reasons. Uh, one is that Luke is a, was a historian, and he puts just a little more facts around it, which I really like. And secondly, as I said earlier, studying, I've been in Luke, saved my poor little brain, we're sticking with the same author. Let's go be honest. So Jesus had breached the Sermon on the Mount, and as you see when you read it, or maybe you know it already, Jesus sets out in it what a real disciple is. A true follower 
of Jesus is um, someone that humbles their heart and themselves to God. So what about this centurion? So we read that he's in Capernaum where many of the people would have heard him preach. He's got his, um, Jesus has got his disciples with him. He's got some, some devout Jews that are kind of questioning Jesus' teaching. And they're like, mm, I think he's a heretic. He's got some that have just heard about the Sermon on the Mount. And they're like, oh, what? what is it about this guy? Like, I want to know a bit more. So he's got this real diverse group of people following him. We then read that a centurion servant, who the centurion valued highly, was dying. And he asked for Jesus to heal him. So I did a bit of reading in some commentaries to find out about centurions, because if I'm honest, I kind of just had this picture in my mind of these dudes standing there with some weird like little dress and some armor. Didn't really kind of get the context of who centurions were. So I wanted to find out a bit more. And I found out that they were known to be men of great status in the nation of Rome. They were called the backbone of the army, men who carried authority. They were known to be steady in action, reliable, not anxious, and would hold their ground. They were prepared to die at their posts, battle-tested men who led by example. His role in Capernaum would have been to lead a hundred Roman soldiers, to keep the peace and to ensure the collection of all of taxes was carried out. Roman soldiers were also known for their violent methods and would have been involved with bloody and gruesome uh, executions. He was a powerful man from a powerful nation who understood the dynamics of power. But is that what we see in this story? Number one, the centurion recognized a different form of power. Our world can be so fixated on power, can't it? We get it so kind of mixed up. People think of being powerful or having power as being successful, climbing up the corporate ladder. As soon as I get to that, that is when I'll be powerful. Or having money, all the money, the Mercedes or whatever. Not that I want Mercedes. That, do you know what I mean? The money, that's what it is. Or maybe it's being really confident or being domineering or being feared. Maybe that's what powerful looks like. It's so not needing anyone else and not showing emotion. It's something that I've struggled with myself. I grew up in a home with a very powerful dad in a lot of ways. He was um, fixated on his career. Success was his driver and money, and that would make him feel powerful. Later on in life, I was surrounded by powerful people that thought being feared or being domineering was the sign of power. So I decided that I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to be strong physically, it's squidgy around the edges these days. I wanted to be strong mentally, emotionally. I wanted to be the God of my own life. I wanted to show to others that I didn't need anyone or anything. I didn't need help and I could just cope fine by myself. I was in control. Or so I thought. But instead of gaining respect, I gained a lot of loneliness and I became really emotionally shut off. The world might tell you or to try and define what power is. 
But as the Bible says, we are not of this world. We are in the world, but we are not of it. And how the kingdom of God operates is completely different to how the world operates. And we see that when we read the Sermon on the Mount. The centurion here is exercising a very different form of power, the power of humility. He was tender and a caring master, a considerate citizen, a lover of God. He knew when he needed help and he asked Jesus to come in and help. How many of us find it hard to ask for help? I admit, it is hard. Someone says, oh, can I carry that for you? No, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> I am strong enough. I can do that. It's tough. I think people are laughing because they know that I've done that. <laughs> but the centurion here recognized that Jesus truly had the power and authority of God and that he himself was not as powerful. He was not the God of his life and he needed Jesus. When faced with a crisis or sickness, do we turn to Jesus first? Or do we think, how can I work this out? Do we go on Dr. Google and start looking for remedies? Or do we get on our knees and pray? Number two, the centurion recognizes Jesus's authority and acts in humility. The centurion who was a Gentile, which means that he was a non-Jewish believer, valued his servant which really wasn't the norm. Normally, a Roman centurion would treat servants like property. And if a servant wasn't doing their job, they would literally be discarded and replaced like that. If they were sick, they would be left to die. That's not what happens here. The centurion shows us his character, that he is a kind man and not your typical Roman centurion. What more, it says something that the Jewish elders came to Jesus on his behalf singing his praises. Jews hated their Roman oppressors. And the Romans didn't think much of the Jews either. They thought they were below them, they were dirty, and quite, quite frankly, scum. The centurion is so countercultural. He loves his slave and he loves his enemies, the Jews. We read that he even had built them a synagogue so they, they could worship God. He doesn't go to them demanding, well, I did this for you. Come get that man now and bring him here so he can do this for me. We don't see that, do we? Instead, he comes in humility. Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, he says. He recognizes who Jesus is, his holiness, and his own unholiness. But the Jewish elders were stuck in their mindsets of rewards. They believed that they are worthy and deserving of God's blessing because of their good deeds and works. We see that play out and how they think that the centurion deserves the miracle because of his good deeds. He's been good to them, right? He deserves it. How many of us can relate to that? Me again. God, I've done this for you. Surely, surely I could just have this little prayer answered. 
But God, I've given up my sinful desires and everything for you. Surely, surely I could just have this. But God, I've been faithful even when people have laughed at me and turned their backs on me. Surely I could just have it easy for this part of my life. Maybe you've had different bargaining chips with God. But you see, I deserve is an attitude of pride, an attitude of the world and not of the kingdom. Pride will not allow us to come to Jesus. We will think that we can do it by ourselves, like I used to. Pride will not allow us to think that there's a power greater than us. In order to have faith, we need to be humble. You see, the truth is we don't deserve any of it. We deserve death. But it's by God's grace that we are saved, not by works, not by anything that any of us could do in our own strength or power, but a free gift from God. Number three, the centurion had great faith. The centurion knew Jesus could heal his servant just by saying the words. Just by saying the words. He trusted God and the power that Jesus had. He didn't put his faith in Jesus after Jesus had granted his request, but he trusted Jesus before. You know, where is our faith at? Do we have a humble faith, hungry for God and a true understanding of his power and authority? Are we ready to submit to him and place him in his right place? Do you believe in the power that Jesus has and do you trust him with your life? Or do you face, do you have a face that thinks that you deserve a miracle? You know, so often we can treat God like a genie, can't we? It's like, well, I did this for you. Surely I can have this. Just going to rub that lamp. Are we seeking presence from God? What we can get from him? Are we seeking his presence? You know, all the car. Yeah, the house, the easy life, the perfect partner, or are we seeking his presence? God with us in all situations, whether we'll get what we think we want and deserve or not. Are we recognizing where the true power and authority comes from? While the centurion believed God could heal his sick servant, he was humble enough to know that nothing he could do or has done would make a difference. He gave the one thing that he desired the most to have his sick servant healed to the will of Jesus. He trusted Jesus's will above his own. He understood the authority and power that Jesus had. He knew that when Jesus spoke, storms stopped. He knew that when Jesus spoke, the sick were healed. He knew that when Jesus spoke, darkness would flee. He knew that when Jesus spoke, the men and women were set free. He knew that when Jesus spoke, he spoke with the power and authority of the kingdom. Jesus has the power and authority for every situation in our lives. It says in the last passage that when Jesus heard about the centurion's humility and faith in him, 
He was amazed at him. Jesus was amazed at the level of faith this Gentile centurion had. Whenever I read that, I just think, I want Jesus to be amazed at the level of my faith. And I am sorry, Lord, where I've doubted you. Doesn't that excite you? Don't you want that? So what I wanted to do, I'll be completely honest. When I was preparing this, I thought, God, my, my talk's too short. What, how can I pad it out? God, I've not done this right. God, I've not done that right. And I just felt like God say, uh-uh, <laughs> you keep it short. I want to do some business today. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get in the way of that. I won't pad it out with jokes. I'm not going to get too hyper. I'll behave myself. So we're just going to spend some time with Jesus. No hype. Just us and him. So I'd like to invite the worship team up.